0: This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Oh, many of you know him. This is Dr. Keith Hamilton, who is president of Alaska Christian College, back with us this morning. Appreciate the ministry you're having over yeah. there, along with a lot of other good folks for uh, that the we have. Like yeah, you and I are the only two left left here today. That's that. right. Yeah, we're the only ones the only who work. In Fairbank, so. Of course, I tell people I only work on Sundays. That's I'm right. Pastor, Easy job, so, right? Hey, uh, could we pray real quick and just ask God to bless Keith as he speaks to us this morning from thank God's you. Word? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet for to hear from your Word. Pray that you use uh, Doctor Hamilton this morning to speak to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate your ministry and all the years that you've been here. And I, I was looking back in my phone, and this is my 14th visit to speak at, at your church. And the school around 13 years. So unfortunately, sometimes the things that I say are repeated. So I apologize ahead if you've already heard something I'm going to say. All right? Deal? All right, deal. So I want to do a quick update with you real fast about ACC and what's happening. You own Alaska Christian College, Community Covenant Church is a part of about 20 churches in Alaska that own this amazing ministry that just started from ground up, really 13 years ago. And uh, this year has been, by far, when you look at statistics and numbers, if you just want to look at that, our, our best year ever. This this fall, we thought, oh man, we had more students than we could ever fit in any nook and cranny of our school. But this spring, God did something again. And I have to tell you that uh, we had... Showing up in January this year, the largest class in our history. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but for Alaska and for Alaska Natives attending a a fully accredited college, we had 60 students on our campus this spring, a world record for Alaska Christian College, which we're very grateful. I believe, I believe that we are now uh, either the first or the second largest college in America that reaches, uh, reaches native peoples uh, at ACC, uh, Christian colleges. So it's pretty pretty phenomenal. And then they come, but do they stay? That's the other question. And we always have a huge number of students who come in the fall, but don't come back after Christmas. And um, our retention rate, uh, this year was our strongest in our history, too, with 87%. All but six students uh, didn't come back this spring. And that was amazing for us because we want them to continue and stay and to grow and finish their studies. And then academically, man, we have struggled. Our Alaska Bush school systems uh, struggle to, to do well numerically across our state. And we've been fighting against that, too, at the college. But last semester, uh, by the grace of God, and a lot of hard work from a lot of tutors, I think, we had 16 students who made the Dean's List of 3.0 or above. And that's totally new for us, too. We praise God for that. That's awesome. Good. God is good. And then this coming May, amazingly so, we didn't think this was possible. We started two AA degrees, not diplomas, not certificates, but now we're actually granting degrees. We started two programs last fall. The first one in Christian ministry, of course, AA degree. The second is a paraprofessional in education, which is your teacher's aide, your uh, Head Start worker, a two-year degree. We're the only ones in the state that now offer that degree, we believe, because UAF just canceled theirs. And out of that, we actually have three students graduating this May in the first year with an AA degree in ministry. And one of them is actually on the team this morning. Laisha Chadwick, would you please stand up? Our first ever AA in Christian ministry (laughs) degree. So you own ACC. You're welcome to come down anytime if you like and visit campus and check out your investment. I'd also encourage you to, if you like to dip net and you don't want to pay $175 per person for a room in Soldatna, that you're welcome to come onto our campus to pay a lot less and stay and hang around and and see this wonderful place. So enough of an update. You're going to hear more from our students in a little bit as well. But I invite you to turn with me in your phones, if you would, please, to the 20th chapter of Acts. The 20th chapter of Acts. This is a, a text that I frequently speak on. Again, I apologize if you might have heard me speak from this text before. But it's very, very vital that you walk with me through the understanding of how important it is what we do at ACC and what your local church is doing to reach young people of all ages. And this text is right in the middle of a missionary journey that our brother Apostle Paul is running around starting up a lot of churches in Asia Minor. And he comes in, he's about three weeks now, in this village of Troas. And with him, of course, are some of the disciples and Luke. Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Together, they're hanging out in this village and involved in this church plant in an upper uh, room upstairs. And this amazing story begins to unfold. I'm going to invite you to not read ahead of me. Let's keep it going. Stick with me on this. Don't cheat. All right. Here we go. Acts chapter 20, verse 12. Crandall handed me his reading glasses a few minutes ago, but they didn't work either. On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. So we, as again, Luke and the disciples and and Paul, they're, they're getting together to have a potluck, right? This is what you do in church, right? You have potlucks. And the Bible says Paul, the apostle Paul, spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. All right, stop right there so get the picture they're all in church they're upstairs in this room meeting and Paul like a lot of pastors just won't shut up goes on and on and on until midnight can you imagine having to go to church until midnight but it's the last night of the crusade and he doesn't want to give in so he's going for it man he has given them Jesus and they're hearing it all and it says seated in a window I'm sorry right before that uh, there are many lamps in the window upstairs room where we were meeting, and seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. All right, stop right there. So they're all in church together. Again, they're hanging out, and there's this young kid, nowhere else in Scripture, is Eutychus mentioned, uh, an adolescent more than likely, and he's in this window And he's sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talks on and on. Now, I know none of you have ever fallen asleep in church, right? Well, this kid does it. He falls asleep in church. And next thing you know, something is about to happen. Don't read ahead for him falling asleep in church. Now, I have to wonder, as conjecture on my part, why did Eutychus fall asleep in church? Maybe he'd had a long shift at Starbucks. I don't know what caused him to sleep. Maybe he didn't get a good night's sleep the night before, but here he is waiting and waiting and waiting for Paul to get done with church. And he sinks into a deep sleep. And it's conjecture on my part again, but I have to tell you, being a youth pastor for 20 years and the college president for 13 years, and as I speak around the United States and overseas, I get the opportunity to look and visit a lot of churches. I have to tell you that youth, that young people are not flocking to our churches today, but they're fleeing from our churches Even the great, um, parachurch ministries like Youth for Christ and Campus Crusade and Young Life are struggling to keep kids in local churches, young people, young adults. I read a book when I was a youth pastor years ago by the founder of Young Life in 1954. He wrote these words on the front title of the book. It's a sin to bore a kid. Say it with me. It's a sin to bore a kid. I have to tell you that, in my observation, that a lot of our traditional churches and churches that are really built around the adults are really leaving our students out of what could be an incredible experience for them to come and find Jesus Christ. I have to say this too. Never, never is the message... Of Jesus who came, who lived, who died, who loved me, who took my sin away from me, who rose again on the third day. Easter Sunday is coming. That message, the message never gets boring. Amen. But how we present it sometimes is where we're losing it, church. I was in Mountain Village, Alaska. If you don't know where Mountain Village is, Mountain Village is in the YK Delta, north of Bethel. And uh, I was there for the Covenant Annual Conference. It's all the Covenant churches, 20 of us, get together. We have a wonderful time. Lots of great food. Lots of great worship services. A lot of singing. I just came back from the one in Fairbanks. A lot of singing. Did you hear me? And I was excited because I got to come in and be the first time at the annual conference. And there would be a lot of people there from churches. And I was told that the church would be packed. Well, I got to the church and there's nobody there. Because they used the community center because there were so many people coming that they had to use the community center. I walked in the door and it was full of people with gray hair. Not me. This was 10 years ago, all right? And I said, Where are all the young people? I thought this was a village wide gathering. I thought everybody came to this, I thought it was a huge deal. Well, after the service, that went a couple hours. I went over to the gymnasium. I heard that there was a basketball team, uh, a game going on between Hooper Bay and, uh, and White Mountain, or Mountain Village. And I walked in the door. Guess what I found? Yeah, all those kids were there, skipping church. And I thought, what a shame. But if I was a kid, would I rather go watch a fun game of basketball? by the, way, the score was like 159 to 135. It's all offense and no defense in village basketball. I just got to tell you. <laughs> what would I do? We're losing traction with our young people. I just got back from Mexico over spring break. I, I try to take, Deb and I try to take a group of students here every year to Mexicali, Mexico. And in fact, who was on the trip with me? I got a few from the team that, yeah, three of them were, were on that trip with us. And um, they loved it. I mean, it was awesome because you have to imagine, they've never left Alaska before, going from Alaska to Mexico, Eskimo, Mexico. All right, you get the difference there? They'd never seen anything like it, and they loved it, except there was only one problem. They didn't understand a word the people were saying. Because they're speaking Spanish. Our students speak Yupik, Chupik, and Yupiak English. And I think in the churches, that's happening. That we're speaking a different language when they walk in our doors. And we've got to figure this out. What is it going to take to reach young people today who are falling asleep in our churches? Well, they get the uticus disease, and pretty soon... They start falling asleep, and pretty soon something even more drastic happens. Look at your scripture with me. Picking it up here. Picking up our story here, the rest of the story. I'm going to go back. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. And verse 9. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus again, who was sinking into a deep sleep, as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, the scripture says he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. All right, stop there. What happened? Poor Eutychus. You know, I was thinking about Eutychus. You know, what kind of a mother would name her son Eutychus? What a horrible thing to do. If I was Eutychus, I'd be really mad. In fact, Eutychus, if he had a name like that too. (laughs) Ken, what'd you think, huh? Good, good. Out he goes, out the window, third story, dead. How many of our young people today are falling out of windows to spiritual and physical death. The moral of the story today is if you fall asleep today in church, you're going to die. No, that's not the moral of the story. <laughs> the story, the story, remember I was a youth pastor. I forgive, forgive me. The story reminds us that when people are not being cared for and loved in the church and by their family in immense ways, that they're going to fall, spiritually or physically, to death. And I'll come back to that in a moment. I've been a youth pastor, as I said, for many years. And the churches that I've have served have tried to reach young people at the window. I've tried to reach out to at-risk students. And sometimes it's been very effective, and other times it hasn't. I remember hearing these things in the churches that I served. Keith, all the kids do in our church is ask for money and don't contribute anything back financially to the church. I know they should be giving and tithing and when they're young and giving that example, but really, should we be expecting them to run our budget and offer our budget? No. I have to tell you that I think that the number one, listen to this, the number one mission field in this church is your children and your young people. They're right here. You may reach them while they are here. They are your number one local mission field. We're pouring our energy, I've I've heard this, our time, our largest spaces in the church, and our money down the drain for our youth. And I say fantastic, because they will become the leaders of our churches today as they are tomorrow. I couldn't believe it. I was in a a group of elders and pastors in, in Koyuk, over in the Norton Sound Covenant Gathering, and I'm with them, and one of our elder pastors, who everybody respects, gets up in front of them all during the meeting and says, we need to support Alaska Christian College. This was 11 years ago. And I go, yeah! And he said, we have to do everything we can to send them our students. Right on, I was thinking. And then he said, we need to give them our financial support. And I said, yes, you really do. Yes, yes. And I'm in my heart going, leaping, this is great. Then he said, because our young people, they're the church of tomorrow. Oh, no. And the dumb white guy raises his hand and says, um, I beg to differ with my elder. Oh, not wise. But I said, I want to let you know that we have to have the mentality that our young people are the church of what? Not just the church of tomorrow. I've heard this said in churches that I've served they're always asking us for help to go on some faraway summer camp experience or or go to Chick, which is this big Covenant High camp we do every three years that this church sends kids to. Or they're going on some faraway mission trip or some service project. Why don't they just stay home and do those things? And I have to tell you that my first-time commitments to Jesus Christ were at a little Covenant Camp in Leavenworth, Washington. My call to ministry was at Covenant High in Christ and. In uh, Laramie, Wyoming, in 1984. And then my deciding to go into full time youth ministry happened while I was a missionary in Mexico. I have to tell you that a lot of our young people will make their significant, most significant decisions for Christ, not maybe here in the local church, even though it's our mission field, but outside of this church. And they don't get bored out there, let me tell you. I've heard once said that 80% of young people below the age of 18 make their most important decisions for Christ. And in every congregation that I go to, and I mentioned this, I ask people to raise their hands. And I'm going to do it here. How many of you made a first time, really, uh, your really most important decision for Christ under the age of 18? Raise your hand and look around. Look at that. Look at that. It's amazing. Reaching young people. And the last thing that I've heard in some churches that I've that I've that I've been in, this one really, this one really ticked me off actually. But I'm going to say it anyhow. These kids. They're always staining our carpet, (laughs) scratching up our walls. The windows are getting broken. We did break a few windows in my years of a youth pastor. And the church van is never clean. Well, those are all true. But I have to ask the question, are we operating a ministry or a museum? So we've got to think about some drastic measures. If young people are sitting on the edge of windows and just really close to falling out to spiritual and physical death, we have a great opportunity, church, to reach them. And so what happens in this story? What happens in this story is that Paul decides to do something about it. And if we look and read on here, it says, verse 10, Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him and said these words, Don't be alarmed. He is alive. Okay, stop there. So again, Paul is preaching, window, kid, shoo, splat, dead. Paul looks, window, oh no, where's the kid? Runs down, three, third story, second story, first story. Runs out and leaps and lands on this kid in the middle of the street. You can, can you imagine just walking with your groceries down the street in Troas and watching this kid fall out the window? And then watching a full-grown man run down the stairs and run over and leap on this kid? What a thing to see. And then the amazing happens. Paul performs heavenly CPR. Heavenly CPR. A drastic measure to revive a young person who is struggling in life and in faith and was actually dead. We were in a little church in Soldatna for nine years, Grace Brethren Church. Um, We planted the River Covenant Church five years ago with a bunch of other folks, and so we're there now. But these nine years, we enjoyed a great fellowship, and it was Easter morning, I'm going to say, gosh, I'm going to say probably eight years ago, Easter morning, and we're all together. The church is full, and we're all singing, Up from the grave, he arose, he arose. And an usher comes up and starts going like this at me. and What's what's going on? And I go to the back of the sanctuary, and I was summoned because I'm an EMT firefighter, actually captain in Soldotna. Um, and um, they knew that, and they said, hurry up. And I look, and my 83-year-old friend, Dale, is in the back pew, Actually, on the floor by the back pew, sleeping during church, he fell asleep during church on Easter Sunday. But the problem was Dale wasn't sleeping. Dale was dead. Dale had a heart attack during Up from the Grave. He arose. It's okay to laugh. Story's good. And I rush in there. Of course, call nine one one. My buddies are coming in the medic unit. And a lady was visiting from Barrow. She was an ER nurse. When you do CPR, it takes two people and you have two opportunities to to pick one of the two things you're going to do. She got there first. Of course, she took the chest, which left one thing for me to do. And so Dale and I got to know each other very well that Easter morning as I breathed what breath that I had, 19% oxygen, into his lungs. And after about three minutes of cycling through compressions and... Respirations. I'm blowing into his mouth, and his and his eyes opened up, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and I said, "Stop CPR." we give given the back of the medic unit, and um, I'm talking with him. He's now awake, he's alert, and he says, "Keith, he says, I want to go back in and finish church." I said Dale, "You can't go back in and finish church. You just died. You need to go to the hospital." <laughs> And we got him into the, so in the ER, we medevaced him up to, uh, up to Prov, and, uh, I heard two days later, because his family in the church said that he had, he had coded again in the, in the, in the hospital on Tuesday. Oh, man. Well, the Sunday after Easter, I hadn't heard the rest of the story. I walked in the church right before at 11 o'clock, and guess who was sitting in the back pew of the church? What was his name? Dale, alive and well. And he pulls me aside and thanks me for, providing a drastic measure to save his life. Now, I've done that years and years. 36 years I've been in the fire service. So, you know, it wasn't me. God chose to to raise Dale up that morning. Um, Dale lived three more years, actually, before the Lord. He said to me, Keith, he said, I know God has more plans for me before I'm supposed to go. Drastic measures. What are we going to do? What are we going to do to reach young people today? I took my students from Sacramento as a youth pastor and went to this enormous event down at the Arco Arena. It seats 14,000 people. We got there early and it was too late. You know why it was too late? Because all the inside of the arena was full of young people. And I sat outside and watched on the jumbotron as the effort was made to reach young people. And all of a sudden the altar call came and all of these hundreds if not thousands of young people went forward inside the stadium to receive Jesus Christ. And I was baffled. I was amazed because, see, the guy that was preaching that morning was in his late 70s. He wasn't hip, and he definitely didn't understand the generation that was being reached. However, he decided that day that he's going to take the best night of the events of the week and give it to the young people. He was going to hire in the most radical Christian rock group at the time, DC Talk, if that tells you how long ago it was. Yeah, a few Cheers. And then he had some amazing NFL football player come up, young guy, and give his testimony to this young people. And I watched as hundreds went forward to receive Christ at this crusade. And who was the man who was preaching at the crusade? Billy Graham. It's a Billy Graham crusade. See, Billy even gets it. George Beverly Shay did not sing How Great Thou Art prior to his message. The choir didn't all stand because there was no choir to sing Just As I Am. That Billy Graham, he got it. What is it going to take? What drastic measures is it going to take to reach young people today? Paul's strategy for reviving Eutychus was the church. Was the church coming around young people who are lying dead in sin, where no one is there to come to their rescue, to revive them. It's our opportunity as the church to do whatever it takes to reach this generation Jesus is the one that can revive them Jesus is the one that brings new hope Jesus is the one that reaches the most difficult situation and brings incredible freedom from past failures and falling down in our lives, it's going to take some drastic measures Wayne Rice an old youth pastor said this uh, programs won't attract kids anymore you know why? because the church can no longer compete with the world on that level today's youth However, are looking for relationships that work. For friends, listen, adult friends who care about them and take them seriously. When I was at Fuller Seminary getting my doctorate, one thing that struck me the most, and I've I've actually led a whole seminar here once on this about six years ago, it takes eight... It takes eight adults. Here's a drastic measure. It takes eight adults that are investing in the lives of every young person that you know in this church for them to be a follower of Jesus after high school. It takes a mom and a dad and a coach and a Sunday school teacher and a youth leader and a pastor and an aunt and an uncle and a band leader and a teacher at school and a summer volunteer work leader friend. I don't know. It takes eight adults who take that kid seriously and point them, look at this, in the same moral and spiritual direction. That's what it takes. My son Brad, I'm very proud of my son. Today is his 18th birthday, and I'm here with all of you, and he's in Soldatna with his dad. But that's okay. He'll get a big present later and won't, he'll forget about it. <laughs> we, Debbie and I, have been very conscious of in Brad's high school years to have eight adults. are investing in his life that are pointing him in that same moral and spiritual direction. And I think he's got it. He goes away to college next fall. He's on his own. Those decisions are now his to make. But we wanted to make sure that we had the opportunities for him to have those eight people. He does have immediate family. He does have church leaders. He does have just people in the Covenant Church in Soldatna that love that kid. They're praying for him this morning at the service. It takes eight. They need our affirmation, these young people. They need our attention. They need our availability. You know, futurists tell us that money is not the most valuable commodity of this century. Do you know what the most valuable commodity of this century is? Anybody want to guess? Time. You said it. Time. You know, it's never going to be said at the dying bedside of a mom or a dad from their kid. You know what, mom? You know what, Dad? You just spent too much time with us growing up. I wish you hadn't have done that. You're not going to hear that, are you? Time. I remind myself, it's just time, dummy. What priority are we as individuals and as churches putting in the lives of young adults that are sitting on the edge of windows today? Verses 11 and 12 to wrap it up. Look at this. Then he went upstairs again. What? He went upstairs again and broke bread. Another potluck and ate. And after talking, look at this, until daylight. We started at midnight. Now we're at daylight. He left and the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. What did Eutychus do? He just got cpr He should be going home or to the ER. He doesn't. Where does he go? Church. To the people that love him and care for him and his family that was there surrounding him. Yeah, the church, we wrap ourselves around young people. When they walk in our doors, that single young person who walks in this church has never been here before, he had better have or she had better have some taps on the shoulder and introductions and who are you and I'm glad to have you here and here's a free coffee over at the Mission Cafe. That should be happening. The church, we're the answer. People around us, young people, reaching out to young people. I'm excited, let me tell you. I think we can change this turnaround for young people in our churches today if we adults take young people seriously and we reach out to them. I want to show you a picture of an Alaska Christian College student. Every year at Christmas, we send these cards all around the Covenant and other churches as well here in Alaska. And everybody uh, takes one of these off the tree and they take the student home and they pray for them and they write the, their name in the bottom and then they send a check And you guys have done this every year at Community Covenant except this year because the church said, Keith, we don't want to just do the tree. We want you to come in and preach and bring some students along. And we're going to take an offering for Alaska Christian College scholarship program during our church services, which will be much more effective than the tree. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. And so here we are today. But I'm showing you this picture because this young man last year, left ACC early. He was asked to leave because of situations we just couldn't handle anymore. And months later, in his village of Mountain Village, he took a gun and ended his life. You see, he was on the edge of the window. And we weren't there at the time. We were there many months before that to help and assist him, which he didn't want. But he's gone today. And in the 13 years of ministry, we've had two of these young people take their lives who were formerly a part of ACC in some way or shape or time in their lives. We believe that we're on the front lines as the church, the college, of coming around young people and bringing them hope, bringing them faith in Christ that they haven't had, and making an opportunity for them to get an education and become something for Christ. Not just teachers that happen to be Christians, but Christian teachers. I'm going to invite Levi to come up here and join me. Levi himself is one of these young people who I would say definitely was on the very edge of the window. Levi didn't have a church He didn't have a family that supported him to walk in any kind of a faith experience, really. Hey, Levi, tell us um, about growing up and about your time before you met Christ. Yeah. Introduce yourself to and where you're from. Sorry. <laughs>
1: um, <clears throat> my name is Levi Brink, and I'm from Bethel, Alaska. <clears throat> growing up in Bethel was kind of tough like any other place you live in all over the United States. But um, we had a lot of suicide, drug addictions, just dying at a young age, even just freezing out there from alcohol and drugs. Nowhere to stay. And that happens a lot all over Alaska. And I think um, as a younger person, I just kind of fell in with that, just thinking alcohol and drugs was the way and just trying to fit in with other people. And um, I kind of started smoking weed and drinking at a young age. and How young is young? 14 years old. And um, even drinking with my uncle, 15 years old. And parents didn't really care. They did care, but they just didn't discipline enough just to say no. And I just kept it on until recently when I turned 24. That's when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. As I was uh, feeling down and out, even when I was 14, or I think when I was 15 years old, my sister committed suicide. Also, it was really hard for each and every one of my family members, and it just really hit home. You know, there's just so much suicide all over. We just kind of get used to it, and we think it's an everyday part of life. But when my sister did that, that's what really hit home, and I didn't know what to do and just le- lived my life in a bad way. Alcohol, drugs, until recently 24 last year. And, uh, as I was thinking my life over and just down and out, I just opened a Bible and John 3.16 came up and that's when I read it. The verse came up to me and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that's the greatest experience I ever had in my life.
0: Yeah. So you were on the edge of the window. You were down and out. You were discouraged. You didn't have a, really a, a life beyond the drugs, the alcohol, adultery you mentioned in the first service, and you gave your life to the Lord, all because of opening the Scripture and reading a, a passage of Scripture. Isn't that incredible? That's awesome. But then what happened? I mean, that, that was nine months ago. So yeah. then what happened? What happened last summer?
1: <clears throat> um, as I was listening to the radio station, I heard uh about Alaska Christian College that they were kind of advertising to these, saying, if you want life change, come to Alaska Christian College, and they were sending out a phone number, and I didn't write it down the first time, but the second time, I quickly grabbed a pen and pencil, written it down, called them up, they sent me an application, and literally two weeks before, I got accepted, and all the funding came through, I just God provided, and I went to ACC, and that's like one of the Greatest experiences I ever had in life.
0: And even when you got to ACC, you were still struggling. I mean, your life had been on a trajectory, and now you're in a Christian community and taking classes about the Bible. I had you in my discipleship class. You did great. You got an A, a by the way. Um, and uh, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? I some law about that, I'm sure. Um, but you struggled at the very beginning, and then what, what happened?
1: <clears throat> yeah, when I first went to ACC, I still had bad habits that I brought with me. Alcohol, drug abuse just I the first two months I was there I got caught drinking twice and the third time I would have been kicked out but I just didn't want to get kicked out so I just changed my ways and it just came to me I don't need alcohol anymore and uh, recently about four days ago I went to Keith's office kind of texted him asking him where he's at he said he's in his office
0: which doesn't happen very often by Um, the way And uh, And I was home though. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Then I went to his office and I told him about me being convicted about smoking cigarettes. I've been smoking ever since I was 14 years old and it's just been a part of me. But lately I've been feeling bad about it, like smoking and wondering, why am I doing this? This ain't, this doesn't feel right. So just four days ago, I talked to him, prayed about it, cried a little bit and just gave it up and that's one of the greatest joys i ever had it's just uh like your life is much more cleaner you're just pleasing god with what you're doing it's just giving up and trusting him more
0: yeah you know we have a lot of students that come in and they smoke and you know you, you can you can smoke and go to heaven there's no question um but you want to take care of your body better you know and that was exciting for me levi to pray with you that morning and how has it been going since that day
1: yeah <laughs> i <laughs> I still get tempted here and there, and when I see other people smoke, but I don't have no craving no more. I never smoked since, but it's just four days, so hopefully you guys pray for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome, yeah. So, last and final question: What do you think God's going to do with your life, Levi? I mean, what do you think? You you've been in Bible college for you know eight months and christian less than what do you think god's going to do with your life what do you what's he talking to you you just got back from mexico with us i know you had a tremendous experience but what's he doing
1: yeah i think he's calling me to minister back home where all my friends and family are and just people that are lost there's just not many christians around and you just don't see what it's like to live like christ um when i before i got saved and i just thought that once you're a believer you're automatically a perfect person you'll never sin again you're just gonna walk in sunshine every day (laughs) no no temptation will ever come to you but uh, yeah i just found out the hard way that it does come and it's all up to us as people and christians to fight against that and either say yes or no and do what's pleasing to god more than that and He's put it in my heart to care for people and to go back home and minister to friends and families that are lost so they may be found also.
0: That's great. Thank you, Levi, for sharing your story with us. I'm going to invite you to stay here and the students to join me. Thanks, Levi. I'll take the microphone here and go As I want to pray to close our message today, I want you to meet these amazing young people. From, uh, actually not just from Alaska, but we have a couple of folks that aren't from Alaska too. So give us your name and, uh, what kind of an Eskimo you are. <laughs> and, um, and if you have an Eskimo name, tell us what it translates. Go ahead, young man.
1: My name is Vardin Altisi from Hard Rock, Arizona. I'm Navajo. My name is Laisha Chadwick. I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida. Hi, my name is Mary Ray Smith. I'm from Hooper Bay and my book name is Chulungalak. Hi, my name is Marlene Smith, and I am also from Hooper Bay. My epic name is Chakirulga. It means the woman in the tundra. (laughs) Um, My name is Kenisha Bingham. I'm from Akitshaq, and my epic name is Kamulga. My name is Angel Bar. I'm from Kotzebue, Alaska. My Eskimo name is Nishrokbalik and it means a baby seal. Mm. My name's Angeline Gooden. I'm from Kobuk, Alaska, and my Inupiat name is Otoyuk. I'm Levi Brink. I'm from Bethel, and my Yupik name is Kinnaghaq, which means always angry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I want to pray for always angry and the rest of these students as well. So, uh... Hey, uh, as you, as you, uh, as Pastor Tyler comes to wrap things up and, and, and share with you about um, the offering today, I just want you to know that all your gifts today, um, I'm asking every one of you to consider a gift, goes toward our scholarship fund for now the 60 students and these that are here today. I want to thank you. Uh, Eagle River Church is uh, in the world the most giving church of any other church in the world, to Alaska Christian College financially. I want you to know that, and I want you to celebrate that. You're the most generous church. Anywhere that gives to Alaska Christian College. Let's bow together. Father, as these students are standing before me, I know there are many back on campus that are either in worship today or doing something else, Lord, that is wrapping up the year. And we trust you, Lord, for the last few weeks as we head to graduation. God, I pray, as I have many times in the past, against the evil one having any control over our young people when they're here or when they go home, that no more suicides, Lord. Would take place in the lives of our young people. Even as last Saturday, we heard of another friend of ACC uh, that took his life in Unalakleet. God, we pray against that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm thankful for men like Levi, young women that are telling their story of faith and of hope and of being captured by Jesus. May this church, Lord, remember that it is young people and children. Old folks, too, we need to hear that story over and over again. And, Lord, I know that it is really a sin to bore a kid. So help us to be really specifically radical and do some drastic things to reach any young person. I know, Lord, there might be a name of a young person in our heart right now or in our mind that we're thinking of that needs you. May we pray for them diligently. May we just shower them with love and compassion to do whatever it takes to reach one more before they fall out the window. We love you, Jesus, so much. And we look forward, Lord, to this season of Easter of resurrection when the true hope returns. God, thank you for the giving of this church once again and for, Lord, how they're impacting young people all across our state and from Hard Rock, Arizona, and St. Petersburg, Florida. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.